0: I said last week, I'm going to preach three sermons, this is sermon number two, on uh, sharing Jesus in conversation with the people that God has put in our lives, um, you know, in our families, uh, in our workplaces. Um, I think this is one of the best investments we can make in this cultural moment because the more dispersed we become as a family on mission, the less you can rely on me, Right? to be the one to use my mouth to tell people about Jesus, right? Um, And I think it's a good investment to empower you to do this. Um, So in some ways, I feel like I just called it a sermon, but in some ways, I kind of feel like last week, this week, and next week are kind of like trainings or something. I appreciate you letting me do this because I actually think we are, as I'm giving this content, I actually think we are developing trainings that we'll find a way to deliver to the network um, but I really appreciate um, you being with me on this journey. And so for me, um, Acts chapter 17 has been a critical passage for me understanding what it means to share our, um, to share about our story with Jesus with other people. So I'm gonna ask you to turn there. We're gonna read the passage together in a second. Um, we said last week together that doing good news um doing good news in our relationships in our community involves both proclamation and demonstration. It involves demonstration, like we do, we put hands and feet to what we believe about the gospel and this is what leads us to advocate for the oppressed, it's what leads us to serve the poor, it's what leads us to be present in marginalized neighborhoods, right? Like we are actively finding ways to serve. But we also said that it's not enough to only do stuff. That it's unavoidable. That at some some point, somehow, some way, we have to use our mouths, right? Um, To give the reason for why we do the things that we do, you know? And I was sharing some stories with you last week that increasingly in Beaver County, and it's even more this way going into the Northeast, um, that increasingly our experience in the network and at the gospel tab is that increasingly um, we are having conversations with people who will tell us, we didn't know. Like, we don't know. Some of our new believers here that we've baptized in the last year, their testimony from the baptismal or afterwards is that nobody ever told us. No one ever told us about Jesus. No one ever just said it to us. You know, like, and I didn't know. I didn't know, you know, his story. Increasingly, this is our neighbors, right? Um, so we, we are, I've said it last week, we are an activist family, you know, and we get our hands dirty. We do the stuff, but it's also important that we speak the stuff, right? That we say it um, and make it plain to people. So in Acts 17, um, this is what Paul Um, The early church missionary and leader of the church is um, doing in the city of Athens. He's passing through this ancient, great city. um, And he gets invited to spend time with the city's elite, particularly the city's intellectual and political elite. And we have recorded here how he speaks to them. And I think there's all kinds of lessons in Acts 17. Um, Even if you never find yourself with a mic in hand, you know, doing what we would call preaching, although many of you do that too. Um, even if uh, you, you know, never um, are standing up in front of a group of people and talking, maybe it's just a conversation with a neighbor or a coworker or a family member, I would say it's still proclamation, still proclamation. We are still using our mouths to tell people about the good news of Jesus. So, this is the exact passage I read last week it's Paul's speech to the people of Athens. Uh, Today, I would love it if you read it with me, if we read it in unison, so it's on the screens. Uh, This is the NIV. Um, So if you have an NIV Bible, you can read it out of your own Bible, but if you don't, you might want to use the screen. (laughs) All right, Let's read together. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked at your objects of worship... I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him. an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Amen, thank you. All right, so last week I gave you some context for this. Paul's in Athens. The first thing he does is listen. He spends time observing the city, sees all these idols. He notices that there's this statue to an unknown God, um, which spoke to their need. Um, Last week, I think we have it up on the screen, I talked about three things that Paul does. Paul listens. Paul invites them into a story, which we're going to talk about today. And then Paul holds out the uniqueness of Jesus, which we'll talk about next week. So last week we said that Paul, listen, he spent time with these people. He walked around the city, observe. Um, he's observing their culture, their experiences. It's a different culture than what Paul represents. So he's taking time to listen, to pay attention. He notices their aspirations. We said this last week, um, where they, what they want, what they feel like they're missing. At the end of any culture's aspirations is often their idolatries, right? So he notices their idolatries, how they're trying to fill their needs with these idols in the city. And then he sees that they have a statue to an unknown God. Idolatries will always leave us wanting, right? Will always leave some kind of gap Whether we make an idol out of relationships or money or status or whatever, it's never enough. Idols always promise us that they're going to be enough, and they're never enough at the end. We always feel like we need more. And so he notices this. There's a statue to an unknown God, right? And so they are saying, for all of the idols that we have, we're still missing something. We know there's got to be something out there, a a, a last idol that's finally going to make us feel satisfied and fulfilled, And Paul notices this, and this is what he speaks to, what is missing in them, what is lacking. I shared just a bunch of stories last week about listening well, about listening not just to what's on the surface, but listening to the people in our lives at a deeper level and approaching these relationships with humility. When Paul takes time to listen to their culture, and I'm gonna reference it again today, and he even quotes out of their literature, which he does in this passage, which I'll say in a second, it sends a signal to the people that he has taken time to pay attention to them. You know what that communicates to our neighbors? It communicates humility. Um, When when we just assume that we know where people are coming from and we just begin to, you know, share with them. I I told you I was trained to tell people about Jesus just through an outline, you know. When we just kind of deliver an outline to someone, um, we communicate something different than humility. We communicate that we haven't taken time to listen to the person, right, and understand their story and where they're coming from. So Paul begins by listening. but then the next thing he does is invite them into a story. Um, I said this last week that I think one of the best skills we can develop to be people who tell our friends and neighbors about Jesus is to learn to be good storytellers. And I just want to encourage you at the beginning of this part that it's okay to need practice. Um, Some of the stuff that I'm sharing with you is stuff that has come out of the last 15 years you know, of being an Aliquippa and just learning to tell stories. And I do think I get better at it, you know. And you will, too, you know, when you take the risk to be a storyteller. Um, but for me, at least, I, now I'm a storyteller anyway, by nature. Um, but for me, it took some of the pressure off of um, telling my friends about Jesus when I realized that all I had to do was be a storyteller, you know. Um, when I had to work my way through an outline that I memorized, um, and tell people all these verses. I was always nervous that I wasn't saying something right, <laughs> that I was missing something. just want to release that pressure valve. It's okay to just be friends with the people that you're telling about Jesus and to be a storyteller like you would be a storyteller um, with any of your friends in your life, okay? So I think there's three stories that we tell when we are interacting with people, and you can see um, you can see some of this in what Paul does in Acts 17. We tell God's story, Um, Tell your story, we tell our story, um, and then we tell their story. And so I'm going to explain what this means and share some stories along the way, okay? First of all, tell God's story. We can leave those three up on the screen. That would be great. Um, First of all, telling God's story. Um, Do you know that the Bible is not primarily a rule book? Do you know that? There are rules in the Bible, um, but the rules are really not the main part. Um, of the Bible. Um, It is not just a source of, like, inspirational quotes, right? Um, You know, I I love, like, you know, I don't know, verses that we put on T-shirts or on walls or that pop up in our phones and apps. Um, All of that is good. The, The more Bible, the better, right? We love to say we're Bible people here at the Gospel Tab. The more Bible, the better, for sure. But I think sometimes we miss, right? That the Bible really is one story, and it's one story about God, right? This is primarily not the story of people, even though there's prominent people that you might remember if you, you know, grew up in church or around the Bible. It's okay if you didn't, but if you grew up around that, you might remember some of these characters, you know, Moses or Daniel. Or, um, but it's not primarily about those people. The story really is about God, and particularly how God revealed himself in one person, Jesus, right? Really, the whole story is about Jesus. All of the stuff that happened before Jesus in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is about Jesus, right? It's all pointing to him, right? And all of the stuff that happens after Jesus um, in the New Testament is still about Jesus, right? Everyone is talking about what he did, right? And so the whole story revolves around this one person, um, I think one of the best things we can do is get a sense for that story, and I know we have lots of new believers in our church. So I know that sometimes it can feel overwhelming, like to pick up, you know, a Bible. And to start, like, flipping through it and know where to start, because even though this is one story, it's not arranged in our Bibles chronologically, so that can be confusing. You know, it can take some time to learn how to navigate your Bible. One of the things we do is over the years, um, when people come to faith in Jesus Christ, um, we, we have a stack of them back in the office. We love to hand people this comic book Bible. That comic book Bible is not a substitute For actually reading the very words of scripture, but it is helpful in helping people to understand the big story, right? And over and over again, I've had people read that comic book Bible and come back to me and be like, oh, it all came together. Like, and now when I open up the Bible with the little print, you know, like now I understand, you know, what's in there. I want to encourage you, if the Bible is new to you, it's okay to feel overwhelmed Um, I want to encourage you to, like, mark it up. It's not disrespectful to write in your Bible. So please, like, you can put words underneath it. I mean, you can write words in it. You can underline words, highlight. For me, I put question marks next to everything I don't understand. I have two degrees in Bible, and I'm still writing question marks, right, next to things that I don't understand. So it's okay to have those questions. It's okay to understand. And it's okay to go to someone who you trust and to ask them questions. Like, what does this mean? Or what do you think about this? Or here's a thought I had about this, all right? But I just want to encourage you, if we're going to tell people about Jesus, I do think we've got to be Bible people, right? However that works best for us. Comic book Bible, learning the story, getting in, into that book and understanding those words. Um, and I think we can do it together. And we've got to be a place. Right, family? where there's no shame in asking questions about the Bible, right? Um, we got to be a place. we got to be a people where it's okay to ask those questions, where it's okay to struggle, okay? Paul begins to just in summary form tell the people of Athens the story of God. And he starts at creation. He starts by saying this is what happened. God created the world, right? Is saying that this story played out, that God decided where the nation should live, right? Um, this is interesting with Paul in the New Testament. Paul always starts the story of God where the people um, need understanding. So it's interesting. In the book of Acts, when he is speaking to Jewish people, um, he often starts at a different place because they were all in the synagogue. They all, to some degree, had some familiarity with the scriptures, and so he could start at a different place with them. But when he's talking to the people in Athens, um, they really know nothing about the God that he is talking to about them, so he backs up the story and he starts in an earlier place. Do you see what I'm saying? And I would say the context that we are in is more like Athens and less like the Jews in Jerusalem. There may have been a time in the American story when there was enough Christian memory that most people had some kind of background, you know, they had spent some time in church or whatever. My opinion is, and we could wish for some day that has passed, but my opinion is that ship sailed a long time ago. Most of the people I'm talking to are people who really know nothing. I kind of assume that, you know? Um, Sometimes I'll say to someone, like, hey... You know, I might be saying some stuff that's repeat for you. If your grandma took you to Sunday school or something like that, I may be saying some stuff that's repeat to you. You can tell me if I'm repeating things you already know. But I kind of assume that people are kind of not familiar with the story of God. All right? So we pick a starting point where they can understand. And friends, I just want to tell you, church people talk weird. Um, We, like, use all kinds of words that people outside the church don't know, don't understand. I do my best to try to filter those words out when I'm talking to people that are new to all of this, all right? Um, But I've just learned humility is the best. So I'll just say, hey, if I say something that doesn't make sense, you know, then ask me, you know? And I want to, like, help it make sense to you, all right? And then what we do in the story is we emphasize the good news for this person. Watch how Paul does this in Acts 17. When we talk about the gospel, right, the gospel, we use that word, it's just a Greek word for good news. Um, When we are talking about the gospel with a friend, a family member, whoever, um, we want to emphasize the part of the good news that is particularly for this person. And you know what that means? It means that we have to listen to what their particular version of bad news is, right? Um, So this shapes how I tell the story of God to people. Let me give you an example. Um, if If I'm talking to someone and poverty is in their background, then it's a big part of their story, the limitations of poverty. You better believe that when I start talking about Jesus, I am going to mention that Jesus was born to a poor family, that he was raised in poverty in a rough town, right, in Nazareth, Um, that poverty was part of his experience, that he was marginalized from birth, right? Why am I going to emphasize that part of the story? Because that is good news to someone who has experienced poverty, right? If you have experienced the trauma, the limitation of poverty in your life, isn't it good news to know that Jesus gets what you went through, right? Right? That Jesus was born poor, that Jesus was born into this, that Jesus knows the struggle, right? I want people to know that, so that's what I'm going to emphasize. If I'm talking to someone who um, has experienced abandonment and rejection, you better believe that I'm going to talk about how this was part of Jesus' story too, that at least in part of his story, his family rejected him his earthly family. They misunderstood him. They talked poorly about him. If I'm talking to someone that that's part of their story, I want them to know that Jesus gets it, right? Um, If I'm talking to someone who's been, like say they have a chronic illness and they're going through all of this physical pain, you bet I'm gonna talk about Jesus's physical suffering on the cross, right? And how he understands this kind of physical pain. There is no kind of pain that exists on earth that Jesus did not endure, right, in his love for us. And so I'm going, there's so many things I could say about Jesus. We, we could preach all year and say all kinds of things about Jesus. But if I'm listening to where the person is hurting, then I'm going to talk about the story of Jesus that matches where the person is hurting. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, and so uh, that's the part I want to hold out. I remember John Jordan, who's, you know, in leadership here at the church, Um, Years ago, he and I started to spend time with guys out in the streets, particularly guys who were, uh, you know, selling drugs or doing things out in the streets. And we would go up to this one neighborhood sometimes at night and hang out with these guys. And um, I remember John asking me a question I think we should always be asking. Um, He said, what is good news to these guys? Now, I knew what he was asking. The good news is always the gospel. But I think we can do better than just like, spouting off facts about Jesus to someone. The question is, where has idolatry left these guys empty, right? Where are they searching for something that they can't find it, right? Um, where is the hole? And how do I have good news, right, to be able to tell them about Jesus in that place, right, particular for them? Um, and for us, it, it was a process. We didn't learn that overnight. It was a process learning how to do that, right, how to talk about Jesus um, in a way that was good news for them. Um, and I think that's so important, friends, because if Jesus only makes sense in a church sanctuary um, and not out on the street corner where people are selling drugs, then quite frankly, we don't believe in anything, right? He's not just for sanctuaries, right? Jesus is out there for those corners, right? He's, out, he's for out there in our neighborhoods where people are hurting, out there in our workplaces where people are empty, Jesus is for there. The risen Christ is for those places, right? And we proclaim the risen Jesus, right, in these places. And I can't tell you, by the way, uh, you know how it says in Romans that um, uh, the gospel is the power of God, you know, for salvation, for those who believe? I can't tell you, the more I see Jesus show up in the middle of people's pain and hurt, in the middle of where they are lacking and wanting. In, where their idolatries have left them empty, the more I see Jesus showing up in those places, something has happened to me, I believe in the gospel more than I ever have, right? I believe in the risen Jesus more than I ever have, right? Because God is showing up in these places. And by the way, I'm looking around this room, I'm thinking about, just I'm not going to be able to point out everyone, but I'm just thinking about all of the ways Michael and Brooke have proclaimed the gospel with coworkers and other contacts, you know, that they have. Michelle, I think about a story you told me about your basketball team, you know, and just like the opportunity you had to pray with them. Jim, all the vets you work with. There's different forms of idolatries in these populations, right? I mean, we all have idolatries. I'm not talking down to anybody. It's our problem too, right? There's different kinds of idolatries in all these places, but when we listen and understand where people were left empty, right, where they're left wanting, right, then we can talk about how Jesus is the good news for that place, right? Um, yeah, the cafe, all of the ways. But this is the this is like what the cafe has been doing for years—just listening right, and seeing Jesus show up at Premier, right, all of the places, all the people who come through, right, Premier, or that Jared randomly runs into in parking lots and (laughs) places like that, but all of the opportunities, right, Um, to be able to talk about Jesus in these places. The first thing we do is tell God's story, okay? Now, listen, let me just say, if you don't know how to do that, or if you think you don't do it good, let me tell you one of the best things I've learned about ministry, God shows up in weakness. Um, Where you feel like you don't say things right, that's probably where God will come and do the actual thing. So God isn't looking for these, like, crazy competent people. I do feel a burden as your pastor to equip you. But God isn't looking for people who say everything right and, you know, know all the right things to say. He'll he'll, he'll use you even when you say the wrong thing. Like, I've seen that so many times, um, that just the way God's love flows through us. Um, but I want to encourage you, like, get in some of the environments in the network where you can learn. To, the the cafe holds evangelism trainings, like all the time. They're going over this stuff. It's a great place to like learn that from. Jake, who is playing piano today, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jake, who is playing piano today. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone more relentless come to me and be like, Joel, this part of your ministry that's, like, out on the streets with these young guys, I have to be part of that. And I can be busy and distracted. And so, um, you know, sometimes I've, like, gone out and, like, hung out with someone. And then Jake is like, you went out and hang, hung out with someone without me? He's like, <laughs> he's, like <laughs> he's like, you need to take me out there so I can do this with you, right? But I love that. I love the way he's attaching himself to what God is doing in me, Right? Um, And he'll do it differently someday, right? But he's just like, let me watch and learn this, right? Let me understand what it looks like to tell people about Jesus. So you can do that, right? Um, You can find someone and just say, let me hang with you. You know what I mean? Like, while you tell someone about Jesus. And those of you who are telling people about Jesus, give it to someone else. Um, Bring someone else along that you can train, all right? Family on mission, right? Um, This is what it is to be big brothers, big sisters, spiritual fathers and mothers in the kingdom of God, right? Okay, the second thing we do is tell your story. Um, So uh, telling your story, when I was trained to tell people about Jesus, I remember this one line. uh, I was young, and here's what was said all the time. Um, Nobody can refute your story, you know? Like, you tell it, and no one can, like, you know, like, it's your experience, so no one can refute it. And it was kind of presented as this strategy almost in debate, you know, that, like, okay, you might be able to, like, debate all these other things, but if I tell you my story, gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't like, refute that, right? And there is some truth to that. Um, it's just that that's a two-way street. Um, if you're talking to someone who has a very different story and different experience of Jesus, you really can't refute that either, right? Um, and so here's what, here's, a, if in my mind, the value in telling our stories. It's not as some, like, trick in debate. Here is the value in telling a story, in my experience. It's that we get to become vulnerable with the person we're hanging out with. Um, What creates room for God to work is actually us becoming weak in their presence. Um, And I'd encourage you, if you tell your story and how God has showed up in it with people, don't just tell the pretty parts or the good parts. We learned years ago out in the streets of Aliquippa that the weaker we became, The more vulnerable we became, the more room was created for God to do something. And this is so different than needing to know all the answers with your friends. I tell people, people ask me questions out there, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. You know, like, sometimes people... um, you know, will say, oh, I know a verse in the Bible, it's this, do you know the reference? And they'll kind of like half say it, do you know the reference? I don't have all scripture references memorized in the Bible, even though I'm a pastor, you know, they're kind of surprised that like, I don't know this reference right off the top of my head, but it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have the whole Bible memorized, you know what I mean? And it's good to say stuff like that to people, um, to humanize yourself um, with people, to admit what you don't know. It's great to tell the parts of your story that you used to feel shame about. Um, It's great to talk about your own failures. Um, We have found that this is what opens people up more than anything else. When I'm with someone who doesn't know Jesus, I want to go as low as possible and serve them. Not act like some expert, but just go as low as possible to serve them so that Jesus can actually do something, right? Because my goal here is not to get them to, like, pray some prayer or just to get baptized in water. My goal here is to just create the space, the room, the positioning where the risen Christ can show up and do something miraculous in this person's life, right? Um, and so I've just found that doing that is, is the best way. Um, I've learned this from Michael and Brooke over the years, to just talk to my unbelieving friends um, like I would talk to any of you about God. Um, And by that, I don't mean that we don't adjust some of our language and stuff and make sure that people understand. But here's what I mean. If God answered a prayer for me yesterday, um, I would have no problem telling Jim about that. He's my brother in the Lord, right? Um, But if I'm with my unbelieving friend, I'm going to tell them too. You know what I mean? I'm just going to be like, yo, I was praying about this, and God answered me. Why would I keep that from them? You know what I mean? They might not understand it. It's weird that dude prays. You know what I mean? Like, what's that all about? Um, but if they ask questions, great. You know what I mean? And talking about prayer, for instance, is admitting that, yeah, I don't make it through life just by my own smarts or how great I am. Or because I make, it, I make it through this thing because I'm dependent on God, right? And what he's doing, I'm dependent on him. Showing people that we're dependent on him is what we want to show. Because it's the poor that receive the kingdom, right? It's not until we're in touch with our own poverty, uh, economic poverty, relational poverty, poverty. Physical poverty, social poverty, it's not in, in spiritual poverty, it's not until we're in touch with our own poverty that God meets us, right? Um, God always meets us in our poverty. It's the only place He meets us. If He didn't meet us in our poverty, then we probably think He met us in religion and we actually never met Him at all, right? So it's in poverty, right, where we meet Him. So by opening up my poverty to someone, I'm hopefully making it safe for them to open up their poverty, right? I need God, that's why I pray. The person I'm hanging with might be like, you know what, I need God too, right? And they begin talking that way. You see what I'm saying? So we just open it up. to Not only tell the story of how we met Jesus, but tell the story of what God has been doing in my life this week, right? Um, if God is a present reality in my life, if, the re- if Jesus is really risen, and he's present in my life today, I want to be able to talk about that. And I don't want to be telling just stories from five or six years ago, amen? Like, I want to be talking today, about what Jesus did, right, in my life, in my family, even the small things, right? And then lastly, tell their story. Now, I hesitated with this one. I probably could have worded it better, but it just looks so good on the screen. You know what I mean? So I just just left it, you know? Um, But I hesitated this one because here's what I don't mean. I don't mean co-opt their story and tell them how they should feel. I don't mean to debate with them. I don't mean to... um, you know, like, uh, you know, like in a pushy way in a, I don't, I don't mean that. Um, what I mean is to interpret, help them interpret where God might be showing up in their story. And if we do this well, it is evidence that we have listened well and that we are noticing not only to what they said, but how God is showing up in this. Paul does this beautifully in Acts 17. Um, you know, he has listened to these people, and maybe the kind of the high point of this in Acts 17 is when he quotes one of their own poets. In him we live and move and have our being. They would have known that line. It's one of their own poets, right, um, to this intellectual crowd. It's one of their own people, one of their own authors, right? And it's a nod for Paul to say to them, God has already been speaking to you, hasn't he? As one of your own poets says, in him we live and move and have our being. Paul is saying to them, even before I got here, see this is the the power of this acknowledgement, even before I got here, God was already speaking to you, wasn't he? Through your poets. God was already saying something to you, right? Paul says to them that God has arranged the nations of the earth so that they can reach out for God and find him, though he is not far from any of us, Paul is locating this group of people that he talked to in God's story and is making the connection, right? So this is just how this looks like for me. You better believe, like, when I'm talking with someone and hearing their story, and this happens to me all the time, God is, guys, God is out there, like, doing stuff, right? Um, If we just believe that he's out there doing stuff, we begin to find him doing stuff with people, right? And so I can't tell you how many times I start talking to someone, they start sharing their story, and they share with me some miraculous experience, (laughs) You know, before they ever knew a Christian, it didn't happen to church. I had one lady tell me one time, yeah, I believe in healing. She didn't know what she thought about Jesus. But she was like, I believe in healing because there was this one time we prayed for this person. And I was just desperate and I asked God to do something and they got healed. Oh, you mean God's healing people aside from church services? God's healing people, like not just at our healing services, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like God's healing people without an ordained member of the clergy there, you know what I mean? It's like God is doing that. Yes, because God so loves people. He's out there just giving his stuff away in the lives of people. He's out there just healing. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to someone and they tell me, yeah, then this one night I had this dream. And God like speaks to them somehow through a dream before they ever came to a church service. Some of you have those stories people that you've told Jesus about. Um, Sometimes it's not like anything supernatural. Sometimes, or it is supernatural, just not those kinds of stories. Sometimes I was just listening to a guy the other day who had experienced homelessness and all this. I listened to him for a couple hours. Um, And the end of it, I just said to him, I said, bro, you shouldn't even be alive for real, for real. Like it doesn't even feel like you should be alive. But you are. And I just said to said to him this way. I said, I said, have you ever considered that God may have been protecting you this whole time? You know, just throwing it out there. You know? And he doesn't even know what he believes about God. He doesn't know any of that. But he said, yeah, I've had that thought all the time. You see, because God is already speaking to him. You know what I mean? God is already showing himself to him. I'm just partnering with what he's doing, all right? Um, It's listening that opens up the doors for all of that. So I just want to tell you, I don't know how you feel. Um, sometimes I'm a bad gauge at this. Uh, when it comes to mission, I can really overwhelm people sometimes. So I don't know how you feel hearing all of this. Um, you might feel like I could never do this. Joel does this. I could never do it. I want to tell you that's so not true. Like, did you, hear, did you hear me say where I hang out, like in the streets? Like, I hang out in contexts where I, don't, I haven't experienced the same things. Like, I don't know the right things to say all the time. I don't have all the answers. And I don't think there's any, like, for the young guys I hang out with in the community, I don't think any of them uh, think that somehow I have that in my background and then they discover that I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure they meet me and right away they know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, who I am. Um, And you know what? Because God is looking for us to embrace our weakness, right, right? It's the very thing that God will use in mission. So you feel like you don't talk great? Well, God will use that, you know? He doesn't just use our strengths, you know? You know how we take those spiritual gift tests and it's like, what are our strengths or whatever? We should take spiritual weakness tests, you know what I'm saying? Like, and ask God to show up in those places, you know what I mean? Like, or expect Him to show up in those places because the very thing you're not good at is probably where God will show up.